Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah, everybody. Welcome back. You are now tuned into another episode of Hot 9 News. Thank you for joining to not only get high at 9 with us, but also high noon on the East Coast. I'm Regal Amit, the dopest dad on the street, and it's Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. National Trivia Day for those of us reserving space for information that'll lead us nowhere and make us no money. World Hypnotism Day, the annual reminder that sheeple of the world need to obey. And also, it's National Braille Day, if you feel what I'm saying. For everybody out there watching, please remember to like, share, and smack that subscribe button up a little bit from the side and maybe on the back and the front a little bit, too. But follow us at Hyatt 9 News across all social media platforms as well. We're live weekdays on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. And if you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story presented. We're going to get things started in just a second here. But first, we have a message from our sponsors. At True Classic OG, we live by one motto. Stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True Classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. First today, we have the long-tenuously operating retailer in the game, known regionally for smoke best weed in the world. But when he's down in Florida hanging out with uh, failed presidential candidate Donald Trump, <laughs> they call him Gucci <laughs> Black. <laughs> they call him Gucci Blanco in Detroit. Is white Gucci out here on the West Coast. We call him a number of things, but one thing you don't call him. I don't know what the, what they not call you, Jason. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I've been called a lot of things over the years. So you we know don't what I mean? call him that hair. <laughs> What's that, Gretchen? Don't call him broke. I said they, <laughs> they don't call him vet payer. Oh, cut it out. Cut it out. Yeah. You're a good man money. of his word. He send, is a man of his word. Mail. Except if yeah. you... You're going to have to eat some crow when you get the money in the mail. <laughs> Come to stage I first. I can't wait. I can't wait. It, it is, is Gretchen's right-wing nemesis, Mr. Jason Beck. What do you have for us today, Jason? Oh, yes. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's having a great Hump day, we're almost to Friday. It's almost there. I can see it just a few days away. But today, 
there's some big news coming out of the state of Kentucky because a state lawmaker proposes a constitutional amendment legalizing marijuana. That's right. As lawmakers return to the Capitol for the first day of the 2023 legislative session, one representative has honed in on a hot-button issue. That's right, legalizing marijuana. At a news conference Monday, Representative Nima Kulakarni, Democrat from Louisville, announced she is the primary sponsor of a bill that would create a pathway toward allowing people over the age of 21 to possess and use one ounce of marijuana. Cooler Ari would uh, would like to see a constitutional amendment added to the ballot in 2024, which the representative says gives Kentuckians a chance to have their feelings on the matter heard by the legislature. In a quote, she says, it's a way for lawmakers to hear directly and clearly from their voters. It's a way for voters to exercise their enormous power by voting on this ballot initiative and it allows lawmakers to move past their personal opinions on cannabis use and simply let Kentuckians decide, Kulinari said. The amendment would, would, would change the state's constitution to allow people over 21 to possess and sell up to one ounce of cannabis for personal use and possess up to five marijuana plants. That should be cultivate, but whatever. Kulinari also uh, filed a bill that would expunge criminal records for possession, cultivation, and trafficking of personal use quantities of marijuana. Marijuana legalization advocates were also present at Monday's news conference, including the ACLU of Kentucky. The ACLU of Kentucky says it's a matter of racial equality. Na uh, nationally, people who look like me are four more times likely to be arrested for marijuana possession. And in Kentucky, that disparity gets a whole lot worse, they said. Nearly 10 times more likely, Cognu uh, Nigarawa, political strategist for the ACLU of Kentucky, said. Republican Senate President Robert Stivers, Republican from Manchester, said on the first day of the session, he's not opposed to legalizing medical marijuana, but believes it needs to happen after more research is done. He says, I think it needs to be done in an appropriate way, and we have appro appropriated monies to the University of Kentucky so they can give us indicator, ideas, methodology for the use of marijuana and medical or, and for medical or therapeutic values, Stiver said. Uh, future actions by both chambers in these issues could be introduced later in this year's session, and Governor Andy Bashir's executive order concerning medical marijuana went into effect on January 1st. It, it curtains cases. It allows people to purchase cannabis out of state and possess it in Kentucky, even though there's some people that are not with that. And so that debate is going to continue. But I'm going to digress and see what my colleagues have to say. And this is Jason Beck reporting from the High at Nine News Hour. What do you all have to say about this? We need more research, Jason, right? I mean, I, I thought the research has been going on since the 60s and 70s. And since we yeah. don't have any public health crisis going on in regards to I love how politicians just all of a sudden seem to think that once they legalize something or create a regulatory framework for it, all of a sudden everyone's using it like people weren't using it before. Like it all of a sudden just appeared and poof out of thin air. But once you search, you got to research and then you got to research it again, right? Oh, I see what you did there, Rico. That was that was cute. That was a Gretchen Sai moment right there. Mm -hmm. see. And what about the children too? 
<laughs> yeah, oh, you uh, can't take this when you're pregnant. It might cause teratogenic effects. It's oh, horseshit, yeah. and it's a way to slow rock all of this stuff. And it's been going on, you know, since for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, it kills me that our doctors prescribe medications to pregnant moms that are known to cause birth defects, but yet weed we go to jail for, or we get our kids taken away, or at the very least, CPS yeah. investigation. Right. Weird. Exactly. Weird. I mean, well, we I is protecting us now, right? Stop it! <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Stop okay. it! I mean, okay. I do, I do find it interesting um, uh, that 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 this came out right right after, you know, like very very first day. Um, I, I ho- hopefully this is going to be a priority um, for the Kentucky legislature going forward because I do not think that the the uh, the governor's executive order is going to pass legal muster and it's probably going to get challenged and overruled. Well, what I find interesting, I want to know what the certain cases are. It says in certain cases that allows people to purchase cannabis out of state and possess it in Kentucky. So what are they going to do when they come to the order? Like they're like certain, you know. So so in the executive order, it covers 21 uh, conditions that that they say that you can basically uh, self-identify as a patient. Okay, and then and then you can basically travel to a neighboring state, purchase the product. Right. And then keep your receipt. And if when you come back into Kentucky, the state troopers oh, are supposed you. to not are supposed to not arrest you. But I don't understand how that's going to happen when it's oh. going to have an out of state label on the on the package. And it's clearly going to show inter, interstate commerce that you have traveled with a controlled schedule one substance over a, over a federal line. I, I'm just I just don't see how this is legally going to pan out for people. Yeah. I think, Jason, I think you're expecting state troopers to enforce a federal law, which is not they, going they to will. happen. They will. 100% they one. will. Okay. In the words of Jason Beck, stop. You're ridiculous. No, um, I'm not. I'm not. It's, it's this has crazy. happened for numbers of years here in California where, where we've had medical cannabis and we've had and we've had uh, and many, law enforcement many, that, that, that swears many, that they are sworn Jason to hold Beck. the oath to the state Jason and Beck. the federal government of Jason all the Beck. laws. How many directives have come from the governor to law enforcement? Here's a little card. Put it in your pocket. This is how you deal with medical marijuana patients who are purchasing their cannabis across state lines. How many times has California governors given that type of directive? How many? Exactly. Give it a chance. It doesn't matter how many. I'm not giving it a chance. Let me tell you something. There's no way that every single law enforcement is going to listen to this directive. You're going to have like some rogue officers (laughs) that that just want to prove a point. And John prove Rose. the fact that 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 he doesn't have his his uh his, okay. he did an overreach of his gubernatorial powers. You know, his gubernatorial powers. We'll see. Yeah, there we go. That, gubernatorial. Thank you. I think there's probably one one officer out there, Jason, that's going to do that. There's at least one, right? Prove your point. <laughs> there's at least there one. Is. I guarantee, I guarantee you there's, there's at least, least one five. that's going to that's going to sit that's going to sit right at the border of Kentucky in a neighboring state and just wait for Kentuckians to drive in they're going to look like they're hippies driving into Kentucky <laughs> with 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 weed from out of state with labels on it and they're going to get I arrested and popped. Now. Yep. 100%. Official, official we're going to cover we're going to cover the store. We're going to cover the bus. Like a I love it. Yep. Barney we're going to cover the bus. Yep, cuz I'm 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 willing to put money that this is going to happen. It's inevitable. All right. We're all screwed. Well, they started a completely different know? shit show that they're going to de- they're going to take steps to not enforce this which means the black market's going to get bold and step up 
And then they're going to be in the pissing match we have in California where the black market kicks their ass every day and they fight the legislature for how do we do this? Well, you just make it legal, but you can't convince, oh, we need more research. And what about the children? That's they're in that vortex. We're in here in California still. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dale, but we call it we call it the freedom market now. I call it the circling the drain. That's what I call it. <laughs> oh, you guys. Yes. I'm just telling you guys, it's, it's going to be bad for somebody and they're probably not going to have the money to pay their legal bills and they're going to get they're going to get screwed because the governor told them they could do something that they that he doesn't have the power to tell them they can do. It has to be, the it has to be a law right? enforcement officer who like really loves paperwork. There's tons, really like there's tons of those. There's tons of those. Get that charge to stick. I'm willing to put money that there's plenty of officers that enjoy paperwork over the fact that cannabis is legal. Hmm. That they would they they have no problem doing that paperwork because they have an ideological um, hatred towards cannabis. And I will be talking about a bunch of them in my story, Jason. Yeah, well, thank you so much for that, uh, Rico. Coming up next, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It is Rico Lameet. When he's not babysitting, changing diapers, and chewing on crayons, you can find him at TEDx conventions, sniffing Sharpies with everyone that asks him to sign on the dotted line after his TEDx speech. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. I ain't going to lie, Jason. Nothing smells as good as a Sharpie. <laughs> what about goldfish, Rico? You forgot goldfish. What about gold, uh, the, the smell of goldfish? Goldfish <laughs> crackers. The crackers, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Snacks. I prefer huffing. <laughs> All right. So my my headline today is from Marijuana Moment by Kyle Yeager. White House highlights police concerns about marijuana legalization in new report to Congress. Have you ever wondered what regional cops mainly operating from prohibitionist states or prohibitionist regions of legal states think about legalization movement? Not nah, me either. Despite the massive sh national shift in stigma, the White House still requires the annual delivery to Congress of the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Areas Program, or HIDTA report, to its Office of National Drug Control Policy. The controversial reports re uh, received past negative backlash from industry advocates and experts for its inherent bias given the ONDCP's statutory mandate to oppose efforts to legalize Schedule I drugs. Here's a few excerpts of this year's report that was delivered yesterday to Congress. The Northern California HIDTA says illicit cannabis remains readily available in the region despite the state's legalization law and that consequently marijuana use remains extremely high and prices remain stable and that state level legalization has likely invited more criminally connected to the production and transportation of the drug, especially by drug trafficking organizations and, organi and organized criminal groups and that criminal groups have created partnered with ostensibly legal businesses to conduct illicit production and trafficking in the state's highly accessible and lucrative cash sales commodity, but also violent incidents and weed rips. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. Weed rips in which products are stolen have become more common since legalization, which poses a serious environmental threat, polluting and diverting water sources and poisoning wildlife. THC extraction labs are a significant public safety hazard selling manufactured products to legitimate storefronts. 
North Central HIDTA, covering parts of Minnesota and Wisconsin, said high demand, uh, high demand for high-potency marijuana and marijuana-related product has remained high over the past several years, and illegal traffickers source majority of marijuana and THC products from Colorado and West Coast states that have legalized before voicing concern over a relationship between trafficking, distribution, firearms, and violent crime associated with said activities. The demand for and use of high-potency edibles, oils, and vaping products has remained high, creating a serious health risk to the user community. The Ohio-based division argued the state's medical program has led to an even greater amount of marijuana usage and remains the number one recreational drug used in the region before fingering other states with broader recreational legalization as, as, as source points for weed consumed in the Ohio area. Nearly all of the respondents to the 2020 Ohio HIDTA drug threat survey reported the majority of marijuana consumed in their area was, com was coming from the western region of the United States. It is not uncommon to see bulk shipments of high-grade marijuana products being brought into Ohio from states that have legalized marijuana such as California, Colorado, and Washington. And vaping has become one of the most common forms of illegal use of marijuana. South Florida called cannabis a material threat and complained the perceived danger of marijuana by the public is diminishing the scope due to the legalization leading to vast grow operations and parcel shipments of commercially packaged cannabis from legal states to, Cal to Florida. Finally, Texoma, HIDTA, covering parts of Oklahoma and Texas, voiced concerns about drug trafficking organizations specialized in distribution of high-grade yeah, high marijuana obtained from legal states and said, these controlled substances are every bit as destructive as other hardcore drugs and negatively impact the quality of life and safety of communities throughout Texas and Oklahoma, end quote. In a quick response to yesterday's report, MPP President and CEO Toy Hutchinson said the primary reason for large-scale illicit cannabis cultivation persists is prohibition, not legalization. Let's give it up for Toy on that one. We don't see illegal product uh, production of tobacco and alcohol because both are legal in every state and under federal law. Federal prohibition drives up the cost of state legal cannabis products in a myriad of ways, including by preventing tax deductions for business expenses. It makes it harder to compete with unregulated sales. Meanwhile, 100% of adult use sales in prohibition states, counties, and cities are supplied by underground market with all the environmental degradation, violence, and exploitation of labor that sometimes entails. End quote. In the pre-legalization era, the report was taken very seriously, setting the tone for past administration federal enforcement policies. But today it's seen, at, it's seen for what it is, a waning prohibitionist reefer madness propaganda rallying cry. It's not peer-reviewed and includes regional police uh, beliefs on implications for drug trafficking, environmental issues related to illicit grows, and demand for high-potency THC products. While technically not a direct reflection of the ONDCP or the administration's stated views, it also doesn't refute any of, or both organizations do not refute any of the information and succeed in amplifying biased prohibitionist law enforcement gripes. One can't help but wonder why the White House still offers such a platform for hating ass cops to spew a bunch of one-sided fear-mongering on one hand, while touting their liberal pro-pot stance and efforts to free the weed prisoners on the other. But here we are. I'm Rico Lamite, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. What are your thoughts on this one? I want to hear from you, Jason, especially because of your last story. What, what's your reaction to this? White House highlighting police concerns about marijuana legalization. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to happen in Kentucky. It's going to be a test case, Rico. Just watch. 
So watch, we're going to cover the story here. It's about a couple weeks. Just watch. So yeah, we, yeah we want to liberalize. We want to free the prisoners. We want to do all this and that. But okay. yeah, you're giving a bunch of hating ass cops uh, the platform to just spew a bunch of one sided bullshit. I mean, that's what that's what that's what law enforcement is going to do, because they want to make sure that they can protect their asset forfeiture rights. So in that way, they have the ability to just jack people driving on the freeway. That's basically are we, what it comes why down are to. tax dollars still funding set of reports. Why are our tax dollars still funding those reports? Yeah, this bullshit report. <laughs> I mean, Rico, <laughs> you don't want me to answer that. Was this was this produced under a, a, a Democratic House? Yeah, just like it was produced under Trump as well. Okay, it's an annual All report, right. Jason. It happens every year. Okay, it's an annual report. Then our tax dollars funded because it's an annual report. Then Rico, that's exactly why. But why is it but still it's going still- on? It's still a game being played because the policymakers are still overwhelmingly against marijuana. And those in the public who want this have to butt heads with them. And the policymakers and law enforcement have guns and will arrest you. And they're ideologically driven still. So, And they, they have bigger budgets. They have bigger yeah. budgets than the police unions. Well, it, Don't forget about that. It, this is going to have to be driven by the it. public. It's not going to happen by them voluntarily doing this. The public had to force it. Yeah, I totally agreed. And I think a lot of it, too, is going to a lot of it has to just start on on local levels with uh, with with neighborhoods and communities demanding um, police oversight. And that I think that's where you really need to need to hit it is is in your small communities and with the police oversight boards. And that's how you're really going to get get this done. I don't think you're going to get this done on a federal level. Mm. Cops still think one thing or the public thinks the other. Sounds like a clash waiting to happen. I mean, clash or crash. What do you think about this, Gretchen? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I, I don't see, you know, who's asking for anything to be done on a federal level. This is just a typical uh, report that comes in every year. Lawmakers, or no, I'm sorry, not lawmakers, uh, police are jumping up and down saying, you know, drugs are ruining the world. This is nothing new. Uh, right. Like I said, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. I'm just like toy, whatever. This is bullshit. This is how it always goes. You have the king of the drug war who is in the White House right now. Um, yep, exactly. See these things. I I don't think it's that big a deal. I think this is going to turn into, you know, clickbait and another headline that we just have to educate people about. That's it. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want I just want some cops that are that are pro cannabis to step up. There are. There's leap. Law enforcement against prohibition. Why there's are they a giving pro cannabis? Yeah, there's a ton of pro cannabis. Why are they not giving? Why are they not giving the same platform? Because they probably don't have the budget to to be creating these types of studies. Because cannabis people are poor and don't like to put money into stuff like that. Because we get taxed on 280e and other stuff, and also <laughs> too, a lot of the executives don't understand government have zero understanding of government affairs. Yeah, and why it's so important to put money into government affairs. The trap's gonna keep on doing Tell what me about doing. that. Put like twelve oh, exclamation yeah. points at the end of that sentence, Jason. Thank you, Mandy. Yeah, I just think, I just think shit like the biggest this problems. It's gonna lead the to reality. The reality of it is that the nail polish industry is more politically astute than the cannabis industry is. You always say that, dude. Like, what it's, is, true. Uh, it's true. It's true. The nail it's polish true. industry yep. separate from the cosmetic industry. Nail polish. Yeah, one hundred percent nail polishes. You ever never worked with a nail polish union? That you have, they'll give you all your colors. <laughs> I'm done. 
next. You buy them at let's the get, nail polish it, trap shop, right? Yeah. Next. Exactly. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's let's roll on, Rico. <laughs> Anyways, coming up next is a spicy redheaded conservative with Mayflower roots, made and she made her pilgrimage south to Washington a long time ago to mix in with locals and become well known in the right DC circles. She's made her way through their uh, to their hearts, through their bellies, as the old as the age old adage says. But she's never afraid to mix it up with pot love and lives across the aisle. And you better watch out because she will smack you up with the $100 bills that you have just delivered to her, Jason Beck. Watch out. Coming to the stage next, it is our very own Washington Insider and the founder of Panoptic Strategies, Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from MJ Biz Daily. Uh, and this is from Bart Shanneman. He has put together the 10 marijuana industry trends to watch for in 2023. Um, and I would like at the end for folks to say if uh, they agree with any of these or not. Uh, number one, major consolidation in key markets. After the boom times during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns, the cannabis industry doesn't appear as recession proof as it once did. Companies in mature recreational markets, such as Colorado and Washington State, are struggling with falling prices. Other markets, such as Michigan and Massachusetts, which are on the younger side for adult use sales, have already reached a saturation point. In response, ancillary and plant-touching companies alike are cutting employees. Despite the cost-cutting measures, many companies will still fail this year. Licenses will be absorbed by bigger corporate-style businesses, and only the most cost-efficient players will survive. Number two, mergers and acquisitions will grind to a halt. In 2022, M&A activity slowed dramatically, and with ongoing reports that access to capital has all but dried up across the U.S., the trend is sure to persist. Number three, Delta-8 THC remains a burr in the industry saddle. Almost every state legal marijuana market made some type of rule to govern Delta-8 THC in the past year. States with limited or no legal marijuana markets and even those with robust laws saw Delta A products proliferate nearly un unregulated, providing a major source of competition for the licensed industry. Without any changes to the 2018 Farm Bill, and that's unlikely, the Delta 8 market is likely to continue as it is a major headache for the cannabis industry. Number four, TH potency obsession and lob shopping drop more attention. The issue of the industry's obsession with THC potency will finally come to a head. A long-running problem with potency issues really bubbled up in 2022, with testing laboratories being sued for misrepresenting THC numbers as well as state regulators from Florida to Nevada, moving to fine and to suspend labs for violations. Number five, calls for moratoriums grow louder. As growers in mature markets experience price compression and oversaturation, while more cultivation capacity comes online, some are calling for help from state governments. Companies in states such as Colorado and Michigan are asking state regulators to step in and put a moratorium on new licensing. Number six, product segmentation and consumer assistification at the retail store. Flower sales will continue to grow in virtually every market, but flower is losing market share to other products such as vapes, concentrates, and edibles as consumers become more sophisticated. Number seven, New York will struggle to contain the Alyssa market after a relaunch of recreational cannabis. Number eight, Canada, Canada business woes might be cut short. In recent years, large Canadian companies have been selling cannabis at a loss, losing billions of dollars and undercutting competitors in the process with the help of Wall Street financing. 
That trend may come to an end if Wall Street's easy money runs dry, forcing large companies to sink or swim on their own. Number nine, unionization efforts will see sustained success. Unionization of the cannabis industry will continue. Organizers such as the United Food and Commercial Workers and the Teamsters view the cannabis industry as ripe for their efforts, considering it's one of the largest industries in the U.S. with abundant growth. And number 10, legalization efforts will redouble after mixed success of 2022. Um, I agree with a number of these that Bart has put forward to us. Um, it's interesting to see. I think one that will definitely take off a bit, especially after the death of the truly worker, is unionization efforts. Um, but I'd be interested to see what you all think, um, if you agree with these as well. This is Gretchen Pride, 9 News. I mean, Gretchen, for, first of all, there's one that just is just totally erroneous and ridiculous to me, the fact that they say that flour is 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 down and that there's a more uh, what, what was the what was the quote? He, uh, educated he shopper just hear what you want to hear, Jason. It says <laughs> flour sales will continue to grow, but other mm -hmm. products such as vapes, concentrates and edibles uh, will become more sophisticated. They're not saying yep. that people are not going to use flour. They're just saying that other products on the market are going to become, I guess, more interesting. I mean, uh, I doubt about that. live resin and some other things as well. Distillate, yada yada yada. I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling BS on that. I'm calling BS on that one. This new vape technology comes yeah. out like every week. It seems. Yeah, yeah. As the industry also, gets more sophisticated, my ass. Hated. I don't think we're going to see any less mergers, though. Seriously, no. like. Like no, we're gonna see a lot more mergers. Serious need for it here in California to survive. And there's, there's just you're not gonna survive if you're gonna try and go. And I don't even care. I'd say that even to MSOs, everybody needs to be aligning mm -hmm. very carefully with the right partners. And then, um, you know, as far as flower price, it's going back in California already. I mean, literally yesterday, I was sourcing literally just fifty pounds. And I had a rough time in NorCal sourcing 50 pounds of indoor that was really like on point. So I could have helped you with that, Mandy. Um, Just let me know next yeah. time. No, it's good news, right? Flower price going back up. I mean, it sucks because it's likely due to a lot of people not renewing their licenses. But yes. um, at the end of the day, right, the people who are still around are finally able to make a little bit more. And, and, and I will say, too, I'm not surprised in the protectionist moves of the Coloradans with them lobbying to have licenses not come online and them not to create any more new licenses. Not surprised about that at all. Colorado, they're all been protectionists from the beginning. I don't know. Keep, I mean, keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. Yeah. yeah. Protectionist marketplaces don't work. They just they just don't. It's, it's not it's not the business. We need to open free market. Let the people have their weed, interstate commerce. No one's going to buy Colorado weed anymore. They'll just make hash with it. I mean, that's all anymore. Like, I mean, Ohio, not, not with interstate trade. How much people how many people are really going to buy Colorado weed once there's interstate trade? I mean, people will still make hash with it. But like, yeah. there's not going to be. A, a, it's not like all of a sudden, like the cost of production is so cheap in Colorado right. that it's just going to make sense, and it's already a dust bowl anyway. I mean, yes. I would I think, say Jason, you're going to be waiting a lot longer for interstate trade than you would like. I think, I think, I you're 100 percent right on that. But the thing about it is, I've been waiting my whole life for interstate trade, and every day that I'm alive is a day closer to us being at that day. 
I like that positive well, either, attitude, Jason. Either way, yes. Colorado has to deal with their issues. Um, and Colorado I, has major issues. I would think California would want to try and help out their cultivators as well by looking at moratoriums. You're putting out the there was a section in your article, Gretchen, that spoke about uh, product in innovation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, definitely, we're always going to be seeing that, right? This, There's not going to be any less quality products in the market. I mean, there's a lot of crap, right? I actually read an article, what, two, three, or not, excuse me, not an article. It was someone's post on LinkedIn the other day where they were like, distillate is going nowhere. And I'm like, hmm, okay, <laughs> we'll see. In I mean, manufactured goods, people are tired waiting an hour for them to kick in. I mean, let's really get serious about it. Do you want to drink your cocktail and have it take effect two hours later? Probably not. They just have a cocktail then, if that was the case. I mean, it's the same thing. We're talking about social situations. If I'm going to go to a cannabis, you know, bar with my friends and my appointment is at 420 and they're all going to sit around and smoke and I'm going to take a gummy that's going to kick in when I hit the car and it's time to leave. Come on. Exactly. Got time for that. Also, no cannabis beverage, please do not use distillate in your products anymore. Just fast acting. People want effectiveness <laughs> in their beverage. Just saying. It is, you know, you this is coming that. from an edibles judge from the Emerald Cup. Yes. When, you, when you say that, Mandy, um, I love that you say that because I was just talking to a bunch of my friends from a prohibition state, and they were saying that they hate the fact that most of the cannabis drinkables they can't they they can't predict when they're going to get high. Still, you yeah. know, uh, so, so I, I think well, that all of that you know, has to do you know, with. Right. It has to do with the delivery system. Right. And right now there's only two delivery systems in the whole entire industry that actually are true fast acting agents. And the one that we've had the most exposure to so far is nano infusion, which is very highly processed and, you know, takes a lot of chemicals to make. And then there's a new one out now that's protein based and strain specific called unlocked. And that is a game changer. That technology is going to change the way all manufactured goods are, are created. Quote me on what that. Makes it, what, make, what makes a difference? How does it unlock? What is the key? So unlock? what it is, is this technology really is, it goes directly into the bloodstream. It bypasses your liver completely. So when you take the product, its efficacy is within about 8 to 15 minutes for each person. The other cool part about it is that because it's not processed by the liver, you get 100% of the efficacy of the products. So if you're eating a 10 milligram THC gummy, you're truly getting a 10 milligram experience, which currently none of our edibles really offer. And then the other cool thing about it is because it is a protein base, it can also be strain specific, right? There's the, uh, the compound itself allows for the actual benefit of that particular plant um, to be the experience for the consumer. And then obviously it trickles down to cannabinoid specific instances. The People's Ecosystem just launched Tosi Treats and it has that particular infusion method. I believe they're the only ones in California so far to release it, but definitely right. check we, them out. We got uh, to pay a quick bill. We're going to be right back, everybody. 
You want to grow some of the best weed in the world? Then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.shop to see why our Terps don't lie. The thoughts and opinion and shade thrown at Hive 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any of its authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. Our, our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever in the part of any speaker on stage. If you are an easily offended person, Follow the timeless words of Nancy Reagan and just say no. Wow. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at nine for 10% off your full order. Coming up next, she's the CMO of Event High, the industry-leading cannabis-focused event ticketing and promotion platform that changed the game for good and when Eventbrite did not want any of that motherfucking smoke. She's also the co-host and founder of Revolutionary Revolu Professional Women in Cannabis Networking series, Blunt Brunch. And today, you know what? She's back. Not from outer space, but from Arizona because she quit on California. <laughs> Come to the stage next. It is the one, the only, Adelia Carrillo. <laughs> I miss California. I do miss California. <laughs> so today's article, easiest drug bust ever. Police find $155,000 worth of weed floating in a canal. So the Keta police officers ended up seizing 180 kilograms of cannabis, estimated to be worth about 155000 this past Saturday. Despite being wrapped in gold colored foil, which was actually green, it wasn't even gold, states the article, Malaysian police were able to make this discovery while responding to a public tip about something strange floating in a canal at Kang... Kang Pung Makai. Uh, the floating cargo, namely 158 compressed lumps of cannabis, were wrapped in plastic and gold foil, was brought on shore at about 9.35 a.m. on December 31st. So how did this package make its way to the canal? It appealed, It appeared there was a sack containing the cannabis that got torn and opened up, allowing the cargo to float up to the surface of the, uh, of the water, a police spokesperson told reporters on January 2nd. It is believed the drugs were destined for a market outside of Kedah and may have been placed in the canal for storage before distribution. There have not been many arrests. There have not been any arrests in connections with the finding, but the police are continuing their search. Now, this isn't the first time that people have utilized canals early, uh, 
A couple examples, there are earliest this past year, about 105 kilograms of cannabis was seized off the shore of South Padre Island in Texas. Those three individuals were trying to cross the canal um, and looks like they were caught at about 1 a.m. on January 31st when they were busted. Um, across the pond in the summer of 2021, a UK man was in court after smashing his Audi, Audi sorry, <laughs> into a police cruiser door before fleeing on foot. And as he did, he left a trail of cannabis leading to his abandoned vehicle in a canal. Um, there's also one other example stated about $24 million worth of cannabis that washed up on a beach in Grablatar in 2020. And even 200 bales were discovered off South Florida's coast way back in 1977. Now, for those in Malaysia, they are taking quite the risk, both recreational and as Sorry. <laughs> and for those in Malaysia, those that are taking this risk, um, they are taking quite the risk. Both recreational and medical cannabis are illegal. Malaysian cannabis laws are among the toughest in the world. Prison sentences and fines are common if you're found in possession of cannabis. And until recently, the death sentence was in place for cannabis traffickers. According to country reports, if you are arrested in possession of 15 grams of heroin or 200 grams of cannabis, you will be presumed by law to be trafficking these drugs. Uh, during the health minister Karari Jamal Din's working visit to Thailand to learn about cannabis cultivation methods, research options, and use for medicinal purposes last August, he made it clear his country will not allow recreational use. So input received from 462 individuals, um, 18 years and older in Malaysia, found that the current acceptance level towards decriminalization of medical marijuana is considerably high. However, the acceptance is mainly among those who are exposed to the substance and those who perceive low risk of medical marijuana. So this is Adelia reporting with the Hyatt 9 News Hour. What do you all think? Was this the easiest drug bust to take? Somebody got murdered because of this. <laughs> this was in Malaysia. This was in Malaysia. Do, do we know? Do we know what the market is in Malaysia? Like how much a gram of weed goes for on the trap market out there? No idea. I'm willing to bet it's a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Because I know some people that would that would um that would buy weed in Japan, and they would tell me some astronomical prices. Like they would pay like three hundred and fifty dollars for a gram of wax. And so, and that was kind of like the going market out there. So I'm imagining that if the penalty is death, that the market is going to be somewhat similar to Japan's trap market. So what you're saying is is three hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth. Was it? Is that what it was? How much was it? One hundred fifty. What is it? What do you think that? How much? Three hundred fifty-five thousand. How much do you think that really worth? How how much weed was it? Did they say one hundred fifty-five thousand? Uh, dollars. I don't. Well, I don't know if it was dollars it, or. It didn't. Money. It didn't. Yeah, they, they they just put the value on that. They didn't say how much weed it actually was. They did. Uh, it's they seized 180 kilograms. 180 kilos. kilograms. So that's like 360 pounds of okay. weed. Yeah. That's a lot more than 155 thousand dollars. So it says typically you can find a small bag for ten dollars ringgit, which is around three dollars. This got to be some hemp. This has got to be hemp they're talking about that they found. It can't be actual really weed. <laughs> See, even the dogs agree. <laughs> Who let them out though? Who did? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this 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 has to be this has to be the hemp. Um, this 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 was great. I, I mean, it's another big bust in Malaysia. I mean, yeah, they got to be getting money out there. 
they gotta be getting money. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Yeah, people are getting we, money in, in, in Asia, like overall, man. Right now, it's it's a free for all. We got to keep it moving. Also, too, we do want to remind everybody that tomorrow we're going to be having a little celebration because tomorrow is going to be our 100th episode of doing the High at Nine News. So we hope you all tune in tomorrow for our 100th episode. Show some support. Show some love. Tell some friends. Bring some friends to the party. You know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, coming up next, I've been waiting for this story. This is going to be good, you guys. She's a cannabis product extraordinaire and a serial cannapreneur at Camilla, Canagram, Canamommy.org, and the Women's Canna Awards competition. She's an Emerald Cup judge for edibles, searching the globe for the perfect cannabis and psychedelic edible experiences. She's also a crusader for female entrepreneurs, and Mandy loves showing the world how cannabis, motherhood, and an executive lifestyle go hand in hand. It is other than the Mandy Tingler. Aw, thanks, Gay. Appreciate that intro. I'm look- I've been looking forward to sharing this article, too. This one just gets a little cheeky, which I, I love. Uh, the headline comes to us from Marijuana Moment today. It is New York and New Jersey marijuana regulators spar on Twitter over which state's legalization plan is better. All right, y'all, we're about to get juicy here. Why don't you tell me who won this? New York and New Jersey marijuana regulators briefly sparred on Twitter Tuesday over which state took better approach to launching its adult-use cannabis market. But after suggesting that New Jersey put profits ahead of equity, New York officials deleted their post. New Jersey's Cannabis Regulatory Commission threw the first punch, sharing an article about the first and so far only recreational marijuana shop to open in neighboring New York just last week. The post reads, Aw, on our first day, we did 12, but congrats on this one. It's cute. Congratulations, NYC. The New York Office of Cannabis Management was quick to hit back, defending its more gradual role as a deliberate strategy to ensure the state's market puts equity first with businesses operated by people most harmed by by the drug war. Their post reads, good things take time. You know, equity and impact over quantity and corporate profits. We're going to make sure New York does this rollout the right way with a market centered on social and economic equity. Marijuana Moment reached out to New York's OCM for clarification about why the tweet was deleted, but a representative did not immediately provide an explanation. While New York currently has just one adult use shop open for business, regulators have approved a total of 36 conditional adult use dispensary licenses, most owned by people who have been harmed by marijuana criminalization and others that will be run by nonprofit organizations. The shop that opened in New York last week is operated by the nonprofit organization Housing Works, which focuses on addressing AIDS and homelessness issues. Meanwhile, there are 21 recreational dispensaries operating in New Jersey, where the first adult use sales launched in April of 2022. The majority of those are owned by a cluster of large multi-state operators, a point of contention for advocates. 
The state recently reported that sales exceeded 100 million for the first time in the third quarter of the 2022 fiscal year, with combined medical and recreational cannabis purchases totaling one, oh God, this number is so big. 177,710,764 dollars. While the Twitter spat between the regulatory bodies seemed to be mostly good humored, it does speak to one of the most central debates in the cannabis space, how to balance equity with commercial interests in the era of legalization. New York officials have said on numerous occasions that they continue to prioritize the former, and that starts with letting those who have been harmed by criminalization at the front of the line to participate in the market. Additionally, the state recently selected 10 teams of firms to build about 150 turnkey storefront facilities for social equity marijuana retailers to operate out of as the market opens up. New Jersey's officials have worked to support the industry, but some advocates have questioned certain market-forward policies, such as the ongoing ban on home cultivation for adult consumers. Governor Phil Murray, a Democrat, said in November that the state should revisit its current criminalization of homegrown marijuana for personal use, but he thinks that conversation should happen at a later point after the commercial market has matured. Meanwhile, New Jersey CRC have been receiving public input on the most effective ways to use cannabis tax revenue to invest in social equity. In Connecticut, meanwhile, the state's first adult use shops are set to open next week. Also in the re region, Rhode Island's first recreational cannabis sales started at the beginning of December. All right, guys, this is Mandy at Hyatt 9 News. Who's done it best so far? You tell me. I mean, New York hasn't even gotten it off the ground. I know. New York is kind of like they, they started the fight and they're like losing, even though they think that they're doing so well. I gotta give I gotta give a shout out to New Jersey how quickly like you know Leo was on the show talking a little bit about it, how quickly they got shit up and running and against all odds and I think the main reason was because New York was fucking lacking they got caught with their pants down man they still are they yeah. still are even 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 with their grandstanding the other day I'm willing to bet that store still ain't doing no money and is never going to turn a profit because I'm it's a nonprofit. <laughs> It is interesting Just how they put those together, huh? It um, is. It is. I, I do appreciate New York's attempt, though, to to start on the right foot. I think it's really hard to come back and put a equity program in place um, once a thriving commercial market is already going. Um, right. So, you know, I do like that bit of a jump start. I do like I do like the rivalry. I do like the rivalry, but I do think this is weak. And um, it's going to be a short-lived um, shit-talking session from New Jersey. So they can, uh, they can, they can take their year of doing that, but um, New York is going to demolish I, them. I appreciate that regulators are making it funny. I, 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 I love this. I, I, I love this. I think this is the best thing. And the fact that it happened on Twitter makes me even happier. That it's just two governmental agencies bickering at each other. Yeah. All right. We need the banter. Like it's the, ultimate, it's the ultimate trolling right there. Wow. And so I'm really glad that we got this this story covered today. But but New this York, is, you, you no, really wait, have wait. to do this better. This is some overzealous social media intern. If you think Jermaine Wright is sitting right. there and texting I did not this, think that Jermaine Wright. I did not think Jermaine Wright was sitting there <laughs> texting this. I, I did not think that for one second. But I, I'm just saying I enjoy it. I think, it's, I think it's great. 
I think they fun. should do more of it. I think yeah. I think whoever <clears throat> I think says New Jersey won this battle, they should start picking a fight with another uh, regulatory agency um, from another state. And yeah, start, yeah. Can we nominate I mean, states for them to pick on? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to see them pick on California, like pick on like, like yes. the DC, the DCR or somebody. No, we, should have a, we, we should have a March Madness tournament. Of oh, shit yes. Shit talking From DCR. The... <laughs> oh, man. I, who, I think... who would be the biggest loser? <laughs> Oklahoma. Because there's gonna be no winners like across the fucking board. There's no regulation. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, the trap comes in and whoops everybody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I did. I did like uh, what what uh, what Benson said here in the chat. He's like, New York City has a great social equity program. I see all kinds of kids on the streets with card tables and mylar's leveling up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because that's all that's ever gonna be a market in New York. All these stores are going to be destined for failure because of exorbitant rent costs, a crazy overhead, um, crazy uh, employee taxes that you have to pay, not to mention all the other taxes that New York is charging. This thing is destined to fail from the beginning, in my opinion. It, I mean, is, is, is that not, you know, a microcosm of the greater cannabis industry overall, though? I just... I mean, I think everyone's like, oh, New York's doing it so much better. I just think they, 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 they actually they, they did everything better that everyone has done wrong. So they're I just a more it, extreme version of doing bad. Yeah, I, I think long, I think long term um, social equity is going to be pr uh, protected because the optics are just way too bad uh, to let social equity fail in some form. Um, Hold on. They, 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 they let it fail from the beginning. By not not well, putting in, putting in hold on, where, where, where's the two hundred million dollars, Craig? Right. Did that come up in the tweets? Did that come up in the tweets? Like, hey, we don't we don't just advertise funds of two hundred million dollars of how we're going to be socially equitable, and then all of a sudden have the money disappear or never get raised, whatever happened to it? But it's not there. I think saying shit like that in public uh, places uh, from the the New Jersey DCR is going to end up in real shots being fired. <laughs> oh, they! Sh I think they totally should say that. I would encourage the New Jersey DCR to to, to say something like that because they should be calling uh, calling strikes, calling balls. Clearly, you are not in the PR industry. I would never give people advice to let's start shots fired over this bullshit because I never said that's I was when in the, the PR industry. Start coming out of the closet, and New Jersey gets found out that they've been oh. embezzling from their funds and their whole Maybe. disaster. Maybe. Oh yeah, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see, Gretchen. That's what exactly what we want to see. Maybe, maybe New Jersey next should take on the state of Michigan, so we can find out what's up with this veterans fund money. And Governor Ooh. Whitmer, I think that should be the next. I think I want to see that as the next battle, the next Twitter war. Yeah, I can watch that one for sure. Yes, yeah, I think I'm, I think we're gonna tweet them, tweet tweet those departments today, and say, hey, you guys should should talk. Right. What are, what are the chances you get any response from them, Jason? <laughs> I mean, no, they're like, not this guy again. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm. I think I'm gonna do it. Why not? Right. Let's, let's keep this keep this party going. So All this right. 35. This 35-year practicing attorney with 23 years of that in California cannabis is also a former card-carrying member of the Club Fed who served 52 months for doing God's work, cultivation, and intent to distribute to a handful of terminally ill patients. He started off in the biz as co-owner of California Medical Research Center, but now he's a founding partner of Armada Law Group. Coming to the stage and bringing us home today is none other than the one, 
and only but puckerer himself dale <laughs> Schaefer. hey good morning everybody my story comes out of uh, law 360 from yesterday since this is the uh, start of a new year it's sort of a recap of psychedelics law what happened what has happened what what we anticipate coming in the year 2023 uh the first story has to do with someone stealing trade secrets in a lawsuit seems somebody snuck into a lab of a professor at the university of maryland stole their formula to make uh hallucinogenics that were non-hallucinogenic now when i read that i thought "Mm, what's this a microdose i don't know whether it's a trade secret or not but there's a lawsuit ongoing right now for a trade secret in psychedelics We'll see how that one goes. Uh, the other litigation issue, and this comes from Washington, Dr. Agarwal, I think is how he says it, a physician who's been fighting the DEA for years now to try to get psychedelics legalized. And he ran into the administrative law uh, clusterfuck that Richard Nixon set up in 1970, where if you don't satisfy and complete all the administrative remedies, the court throws you out. So he was in last uh, January, uh, trying to get the DEA to decide is this uh, a Schedule One or not, and the court threw him out because they hadn't issued their final decision. He then filed a petition for a final decision. They just got a final decision that has no medical value. Surprise, surprise. So now he's moving forward with his lawsuit to try and uh, take it out of Schedule One. Good luck with that. We've been playing this game with the DEA for decades. I've been part of these suits. Um, it's if we could get a court to look at this outside the administrative arena, there's no way that any of these drugs stay in Schedule 1. But because they set up this administrative law uh, circle jerk, you're, you're just going to be chasing your tail a lot. So we'll watch that and the psychedelics range. Now, there is uh, two other things coming. One of them, state level, um, let's call it legalization. I'm not sure whether decriminalization or legalization is the right term anymore. They're not busting people for having psychedelics. I'm all in favor of it. Colorado has just passed the law. They're now in the regulatory process. And those of us in California know that this is a mess. You get to publish regulations. They get to comment. They get, you know, more regulation comment. Somebody will finally put regulations out. But Oregon now has regulations ready to roll out. So I'm going to be watching this over the next year to see how does this work? How do they license someone to manufacture it? And the facilities or the people who man these facilities What is that going to look like? Uh, I I have no idea because uh, the field of um, psychedelics and even cannabis medicine is just chock full of medical quackery. People say that the God awful is shit that they can't back up. So we will see how this rolls out. Regulators tend to be very conservative as we've seen here in California. They take that one step. Oh, let's see if their babies being born with, you know, no legs or, You know, what's going on with the children? Is this causing problems? You don't get anything done. So we'll be watching over the next year how the regulations roll out. But the other thing that's happening here is at the local level. We've got Oakland, we've got San Francisco, and we've got Santa Cruz here in California. And apparently we're not the only one. Washington, D.C. has already done this. They have decriminalized. They've gone to the police and said, stop busting people for possession of small amounts of psychedelics. This is how cannabis sort of rolled in before 215. So if you're following trends as um, plants come out of uh, Schedule 1, then we're going to see more shit shows. Like you guys just talked about in New York and New Jersey, seem they learned nothing from California. 
We're going to see if anybody's learned anything from the cannabis pathway to see if we can take anything out of Schedule 1 successfully and implement it in a state or a locality and then get to the federal government with any success. So looking forward, there we are. What do you guys have to say? I mean, they're looking. I mean, that was a, go ahead, Rico. They're looking to capitalize off the mistakes made in the cannabis industry. And move quicker. Well, if they can, because my experience is that people who will talk to you about cannabis, when you mission psychedelics, you can see the butt pucker on their face. <clears throat> so we have a long ways to go when it comes to psychedelics. But I think we're following a lot of the same pathway here that we did right. with cannabis. I mean, how are they claiming prior, uh, uh, proprietary issues on, on psychedelics manufacturing, Dale? Well, it's a trade secret. Okay, It's like the, the formula for Coca-Cola is a trade secret. In California, you can back engineer and get it, and you can sell that formula. You just can't kill it call it coca-cola so there's a separation between a trade secret and a copyright okay so the trade secret is somehow that oh we can give you a therapeutic dose of hallucinogenic without being hallucinogenic well i think a lot of people i know including myself do that regularly my guys at weed for warrior you take a non-psychedelic dose a, a microdose, if you will on a regular basis is that a trade secret could be if my formula is my secret yeah, I'm calling. I'm calling bullshit on their trade secrets. If I'm, you, not, if you I'm not buying that. If if you trade a secret, does it make it a secret, and is it still a secret? <laughs> if you trade it, it comes out of the secrecy, and now it's not a trade secret. So there you go. Exactly. How much wood could a woodchuck it's, chuck, or something like that? It's yeah. only a secret if you don't tell anybody, right, Dale? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what. That's what I thought. And I didn't know it was your mother, so isn't that a secret too? Ooh, See what ooh, I'm saying? Ooh, that's ooh. a whole nother secret. Ooh, that's, that's a whole nother secret. <laughs> All about your mama jokes. Yeah. Oh boy, here we go. Sorry to the moms in the room. I love you. Can <laughs> <laughs> I close this thing on now, Jay? Okay. Yeah. It's top of the hour. Yeah, have you guys got anything else? Anything on this, Mandy, Gretchen, Adelia? Anyone? All right. Seeing seeing no. Sure, everybody out there comes back for our one, show number 100 tomorrow. We turn yes. 100 years old. Show, we turn 100 shows old tomorrow. Thank you all for getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our audience and supporters. We appreciate you all tuning in daily and listening to the insanity and antics that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all our haters for still talking about us because we have the most amazing pads in your house rent free you should see some of these properties that we have rent free in your house they are just truly amazing huge thank you to true classic laxcc and dna genetics for helping us keep everything rolling and thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing you guys did great thank you to cannabis for giving a reason to do this and thank you to cloud media partners house of fuego and zaza simone holding us down in clubhouse thank you all for creating this great cannabis space and thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. Run it, Adam. There's no other. <laughs>